So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Becky Beresford lives in Huntley, Illinois, and is happily outnumbered by her husband and three wild boys. She is a writer, dreamer, certified life coach, and speaker with a master's certificate in discipleship. Becky loves encouraging God's daughters to embrace their holy worth and live life fully loved. When she isn't at the keyboard, you can find her drinking copious amounts of coffee, serving mamas in church, and hanging out with her people. She would love to connect more online at beckyberesford.com, where you can grab a free copy of the Brave Women Manifesto, as well as a sample chapter from the Brave Women Bible Study coming out early next year. Without further ado, here's Becky. Hey, Becky. Hello. Hey, thanks for being my guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. So am I. I'm really excited to be a part of what you're doing, Rachel. It's just so cool to see what you're doing with all these wonderful stories. And thanks for the invite. Really love it. (laughs) You you are welcome. I said, oftentimes I have to twist people's arms to, (laughs) um, to share their stories. And so it does. It takes obedience and courage and bravery. And so I appreciate that. Um, but to begin, just to tell listeners about you, you have three sons, mm-hmm. and one of your sons is autistic. So how has your son's life helped transform you in ways that you never knew possible? Oh, gosh. That's a very loaded question. <laughs> I know. I'm starting it off <laughs> strong, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And I could honestly probably talk just for hours on it, but to spare everyone my rambling I'll just pick two main ways um so first I think when anybody becomes a mom you inevitably feel like you have no idea what you're doing (laughs) probably because you don't (laughs) right yeah um but when we found out that our David he's my oldest um when we found out that he was on the spectrum he was about two years old and uh, I just I remember feeling just completely unqualified, not just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Now it's like, I am totally unqualified to be his mom. Um, And so I had no idea how to take care of him in the ways that he really needed it. And even though he is verbal, he still couldn't really communicate with us clearly. And he couldn't, he had a hard time and he still does. He has a hard time expressing his emotions. And so just a little bit of context, I didn't hear that he loved me for the first time until he was about five years old so it that's just kind of context for everyone there but um you know I feel like we were just so lost in the journey and so we did we started doing so much research we uh tried this therapy and that diet and we went to this chiropractor and this play group we were just trying anything we possibly could to help with meltdowns and help with his overwhelm and um 
we were just trying to figure out how to meet his sensory needs. So for me personally, during that time, and still, I, I found myself relying on Jesus in a completely new way. Um, and that was just totally open handed living. So mm. I had to give him all of my expectations of parenthood and what that looked like. And I had to let him fill me with more of him. Um, so he had to give me strength and so much, so much wisdom um, and patience because I just could not do it. And I know that I'm like very far cry from perfect, but God has shown me that, you know, just like each of my boys were handpicked for me, he's also handpicked me to be their mama. And even if I don't feel like this is true and I'm messing up all the time, and I still have no idea what I'm doing. I'm meant to be his. So that's the first thing. And then second thing, um, I think having a loved one with a disability and having our son in our lives has really helped us parent with eyes open. And kind of what I mean by that is we've been invited to see people the way that God sees them, you know, unconditionally loved no matter what with all their unique differences and the diversity out there. And that's just been really something very holy to us and beautiful. Um, and specifically with autism, we focus more so on neuro neurodiversity. And so that's just kind of a, a big word <laughs> that means that people's brains are wired differently and that's okay. And so instead of trying to change them or quote unquote cure them, uh, we need to more so embrace how God has made each of us as individuals. And then we want to try to come alongside them and help them in ways that support them in the ways that they specifically need it. So, and we, I just want people to thrive. You know, we, we all want people to thrive. And so I want my son to thrive and I want to empower each of our children just to be world changers because that's what they are. Yeah. Wow. I love everything that you just said, because it's not always, everybody is so unique. I mean, Mm -hmm. and God created us that way. And so that is really the challenge in our lives is to love everyone Mm -hmm. for who they are. Yep. (laughs) And I think that is, and and that's not easy at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that, but that's what we're called to do. Um, So I, I love everything that you just said. And Moving on to the the next question, your journey having a son with a disability left you with a new definition of overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Would you share <laughs> some of these emotions with us and, and maybe speak to women that um, might have a child that is autistic as well? Yeah, totally. Oh, are you sure you want me to share? No, <laughs> it's a lot of overwhelm, but um, I mean, just this past week or even more, more than that, like these past few months, we've been dealing with severe meltdowns, like multiple times a day, 10 times a day. We've been getting emails from teachers at school and like notes from his aide and his backpack about his misbehavior or, um, just his, his inability to focus or pay attention. He's been to the principal's office, like, and we know it's the end of the year, so things are winding down. It's a little bit harder for him, but it just has been super difficult. And again, we're at this point where we're like, okay, what do we do, God? Like, we don't know how to help regulate his emotions. And particularly with David, he's, I think people 
on the spectrum have a lot of anxiety just in general and fear. So that's really been a big thing he's been struggling with, just fears. So that when we get all these calls and notes, I'm left feeling like a total failure as a parent because I can't help him. I'm trying my best, but it's like, it's not helping. And even though God says that I'm not a failure, I still feel it. And I, I start getting anxious. Anxiety is something that I struggle with just in general. But like when I sense him about to have a meltdown, I feel my body have a physical response. Mm -hmm. Like it tenses up. My heart starts being faster. You know, it's like a real thing. Um, I've actually had to work myself out of panic attacks after mm-hmm. my son's meltdowns or even in when he's in the heat of it. Um, so that's just like an extreme case of overwhelm, but it's very real thing. So there are so many days when I feel like I'm barely keeping afloat. And I know, I know a lot of moms feel that way, but mamas in the special needs community, um, I feel like the waves that come crashing in are bigger, <laughs> you know, and that they're just like unrelenting. And so when this is happening, Jesus steps in and remind, he reminds me, okay, Becky, keep your eyes set on me. You know, his word says that he's not going to let me drown. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to hold you to it, that you're not going to let me drown. Um, Jesus and I, by the way, have a pretty frank relationship. <laughs> I'm pretty honest. I lay it no more pretense. No, I'm not all fluffy. I just, you know, let him have it because I know he loves me the way that I am and he sees what's going on. Um, and so he does, I have to remind myself, he's come through for us before. He's going to come through now. I just don't know what that's going to look like. So I feel like that's just a little picture of the overwhelm that I'm sure not just me, but other moms who have autistic sons and daughters, um, might be feeling. Yeah. Well, gosh, all of us, you know, Mm -hmm. it it really is true. Who hasn't felt overwhelmed or out of control? And, and I love that you say the answer and the response is to cling to Jesus. I mean, that, that Mm -hmm. when we, that's the only thing that will ever truly, truly help us. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you, you say that having an autistic son has made it difficult to make friends. And you say that when you have a child with a disability, the desire for a caring community becomes more than a desire. It becomes a need. So what kind of community were you looking for and, and how did you finally find it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember writing that article for the mighty. Um, yeah, I have a real heart for taking care of the caregivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel If we don't make sure that our hearts are poured into and that we're getting the support that we need, it's basically impossible um, to take care of them. And it gets exponentially harder for us to pour into them and make sure that they're loved well. So that being said, it's been a total battle to find women who are willing to initiate I think that's like the key word um, and kind of extend a hand of unconditional love for our all of us Um, I understand like we are loud (laughs) I kind of get it we're unpredictable we can probably make people feel uncomfortable especially when the meltdowns are happening and then um, that's just in our home it usually causes the domino effect where then the other kids start freaking out and it it can just get nuts. 
So I, and I know that like the neighbors see that and other people can see that. And that could be something that makes them want to step back, but that doesn't mean that we don't need our village. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would even dare to say that we need it more. Mm -hmm. Um, So words like inclusion and empathy and grace and kindness, and again, invitation, they go a long way for people and family in the special needs community. It's just a really big value, those words. And personally, I want to have friends who will bring their kids into our home, but are also going to invite us into their worlds, you know, into their homes, into their birthday parties, into, you know, stuff like that. And luckily, I have been blessed with nearby family and some really sweet friendships that God has developed over the past couple of years. Um, and I, I found that a lot through the church or just little groups that kind of spur off of the church. Um, but these, these people, they ask me how I'm doing and they mean it. <laughs> they provide meals and they offer to watch my kids so I can have a reprieve or a date night with my husband. That is so important because you just get buried mm-hmm. and you forget to take care of your marriage. Yeah. Um, and they've become like my village. So I'm really grateful for that. And if anybody is listening and is caring for an autistic loved one, I recommend totally going to support groups, mom groups, go to a place where they talk about doing life together. And again, they mean it. So they, they don't just talk the talk, but there's action behind their words and you see it get involved in a place like that. Um, cause it's taken me six to seven years to build this kind of community. David is eight right now. So just remember that it, it can take some time and it probably will to build that, but it is so needed and you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. Well, your, your husband has also been diagnosed with autism. And so now you are mm-hmm. trying to navigate two different, but similar waters simultaneously, what insight would you give to listeners who have autistic loved ones in their own family? Okay. So (laughs) this one is a tricky one. (laughs) So it's kind of interesting because my son is crazy loud. He gets a lot of his sensory input from making noises and stimming to like really loud music and rocking against objects and listening to things basically at the highest volume possible. (laughs) And then this is the complete opposite of my husband Mm -hmm. who gets overwhelmed by noise and has to wear headphones in our home with our wild house of boys. So most days I'm just sitting here trying to mediate between the two needs of these people I love. And again, it's hard because they're polar opposites and I don't know which need to attend to first And I don't want to like put one above the other, but I'm like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm being pulled in two separate directions. Yes, exactly. So, you know, there's a saying um, in the autism world that once you meet one person with autism, you've only met one person with autism. It's called a spectrum for a reason because everybody experiences it differently. And I have that example right in my home. (laughs) So... My advice, um, let's see, I would say you need to give yourself a ton of grace, just a ton of it, 
because you're not going to get it right all the time. You're doing the best you can. And it's okay to feel all the feelings too. Like you can be joyful. You can be thankful. You can be like, oh, this life is so beautiful. And you can be so full of love and gratefulness. But you, you can also feel anger. And you can be frustrated. And you can be fearful. And you can be worried. Like it's okay to feel all of those things. And I, I feel like some moms are like, I can't feel those things in my situation, but I'm saying you need to give yourself the freedom to feel it because those, those feelings are there anyway, but you have to acknowledge them and bring them to God and his word. And also to people who are close to you that are safe, you know, and you know that they will understand your heart because, um, yeah, you, you have to give yourself this holy space to learn and grow and fall because then Jesus is going to come in. He's going to pick you back up. He's going to hold you close. He's going to cover you with his never failing love, which in turn actually allows you to love people exactly how they need it. Mm-hmm. So you need to give yourself the grace and yeah. yes. Well, <laughs> wisdom. well, as we've been talking, you know, like you are surrounded by, all men in your family. Mm -hmm. So, but you have a heart for women and women's ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, However you say, you never thought you would pursue a career as a writer. When did God reveal to you that this was his path for you? Yes. So I still laugh. I think it's comical that I am a boy mom because I grew up the oldest of four sisters and then there was my little brother at the very end. And then I, you know, did full-time ministry with women and I went to school for women's discipleship. And so like I have all this experience with girls Mm -hmm. and I'm a boy mom. So I think it's quite funny, but (laughs) when I became a mom, um, I knew right off the bat that it was going to be challenging for me. I had done, like I said, full-time ministry And that led me to go back to grad school at Moody in Chicago. And so through an internship, that's where I met my husband and we got married and then we got pregnant, like right off the bat. (laughs) And so we decided that I was going to stay home with our baby boy, but I still felt this really strong desire to minister to the hearts of women. And I, it had never occurred to me to write until I was a stay at home mom. And, um, I'd always been a journaler. Like I remember the time when I used to modge podge cute mm. little themes on each yeah. journal. And oh, it was so cute. Now that like never happens. I don't even know when I did that <laughs> last. But um, <laughs> there was a time. But uh, God started to lay down my heart like, hey, how about you start writing? And so I was like, oh, all right. So I tried some devotionals, just writing those to see if I would even liked writing. And eventually he placed some solid book ideas on my heart to write as well. So I just started to go all in and I started a blog called Frazzled and Free. And I also just this past year started seeking publishing for my first book. And that's where I met you, Rachel, at Mm -hmm. She Speaks (laughs) last year with publisher appointments. Oh, bless it, Jesus. (laughs) Anyway. um, (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So that's a journey all on its own. (laughs) Um, But really, uh, I think writing has just been a gift to me because even though I couldn't really meet with women one-on-one at a coffee shop, I still felt like 
when I was writing, I could connect with my reader and talk about Jesus and his love like I would over our favorite lattes and a Bible, you know, so writing became my new ministry and outlet. Well, so this, you have a blog called Frazzled and Free as long, along with your author mm-hmm. website. So why did you pick that name? And if a woman maybe is feeling frazzled today, that's listening, how did you finally yes. experience freedom? Yes. So I picked that name because that was how I was feeling <laughs> completely frazzled mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. days. And I still mm-hmm. do. And, and that is what I was longing for, which was freedom. Um, I've spent a lot of my time on earth trying to have it all together because I thought that that's what Christians were supposed to do, right? right? Like, be good, and then you get God's good things. Yeah. Yeah, you know? didn't work that way, unfortunately. No. <laughs> nope, no. Nope. So, like, over the years, he's shown me that his grace is in no way based on my efforts, and I can't earn my way to his favor or his blessings. And so, like, grace is not just for salvation. It's for everyday life. So the freedom that I've experienced is basically a freedom from perfection, because nobody is perfect, mm-hmm. even though we think others might be more perfect than us. <laughs> um, but we do. We have a perfect God. And as we get to know him more, his perfect love transforms us and makes us more like him. So this is the kind of freedom. It, it frees me to be real, to be deep, to be honest with God and with, with others. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, you just alluded to this, but so you've all, you have authentically said that some days you feel so less than, and I'm sure listeners, Mm -hmm. I mean, every one of us, if we were being honest, would say the same thing. So how do we let go of this sense of shame and self-comparison? Yeah. Um, I'm an expert at beating myself (laughs) up. I think most women are. Uh So, I mean, shame has always been a beast for me, but then there's comparison as well. And that's like a whole other animal. So I think comparison is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. You know, he wants us to shift our gaze. So we aren't looking at anything else. um, So we are looking at anything else I'd say besides Jesus. And I've seen in my life, when I take my eyes off of him, things get, hazy super fast so you know what better way for the enemy to mess with us than to get us to compare our life story with the stories of others around us um though i think we just get really busy looking at our own lives so much so that we're distracted from seeing god's hand in ours and so i think the best solution to comparison is actually empowerment so when we start comparing ourselves to other women, instead of saying, I wish I was more like her, you know, we should say something like, God, thank you for my sister and how you've made her empower her to go change the world and experience more of you. Like that's what I, when I feel myself go in there, I try to shift to a prayer and a praise for my sister. Mm, that's good. Because we end up building each other up instead of tearing ourselves down and that will get to the enemy every time, which is a total bonus. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. 
Well, you said recently in an article that you published by Encourage that you cannot reach the end without first experiencing the middle. And it's the heart of our story, and it teaches us to live in confident expectation of God's goodness and grace. He promises us beauty and victory and a steadfast love to see us through. So how has this statement, Becky, proven true in your own life? Okay, so, you know, I think our society, like we, we want to see the end results as fast as we can. I mean, I know I usually We're do. like impatient. Like we, yeah. media oh, gratification. Sure. We want, yes, Insta, Insta everything. Yes. I mean, Instagram, yeah. right? Like Instapot. Insta everything. <laughs> Instapot. <laughs> Give it to me uh-huh. now. But you know, God has never been pressured by human timelines. So what he's shown me about the beauty of the middle is that that is where the transformation happens. It's not easy at all, but that's where it happens. And I like think about this sometimes. Can you, can you imagine a world where we got what we prayed for immediately every single time? Mm. Like God was like, Oh yeah, sure. Here you go. Here you go. Mm. I think he doesn't do that for multiple reasons. I'm not God, but (laughs) one of them I think is because that would rob us of the process of becoming more like Jesus, right? Because we wouldn't experience God's love in ways that can only be felt when we have a need. And so the middle teaches us to hope not just in the results, but in the goodness of God and his faithful character, right when we're smack dab in the middle of it. So we get to know God more and he gets to show us more of him. I'm going to have to marinate on that. That's really good. It's such a shift in thinking. (laughs) Well, you also talk a lot about bravery. And in fact, in one of your recent posts from your Brave Women series on your website, you said, quote, God has made you courageous. He has made you bold. You may not see the truth fully, but we see it. You are God's girl, full of grace and fire, and together we are a force to be reckoned with, a threat to the darkness and a light to the broken. And that's end quote. So has, has there mm. been times in, their li- in your life when you did not feel brave? Because you're trying to empower us uh, to be brave. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. And this, I'm hopefully not going to disqualify myself here, but um, I feel that way every day. So <laughs> I feel oh, unbrave. Same. same. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of times I actually laugh again. I think God really has a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I um, do too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I laugh at the fact that he wanted me to start a series featuring courageous women because I'm a fairly fearful human being like fear has always been one of the hardest struggles for me my entire life and it's not just physical fears for like safety or health of my of my loved ones or even myself um though I definitely do that I also just struggle hardcore with the fear of rejection and failure and like missing out on God's best is a big one me too um (laughs) yeah it's like for some reason um, when things start to go really well, I almost always assume that the rug is going to be pulled out from underneath me. It's just this, this thought process that's always been there. And even though I'm conscious of it now, um, God, he's, he's helping me walk, walk through it, um, little by little, 
but there's still were plenty of seasons in my life when I tried to be the best in order to get God's best. Um, but he's such a faithful God (laughs) and he continually just shows me how perfect love, his perfect love does cast out fear because his love for me is extravagant. And, um, something that I can trust in is basically the only thing that you can totally trust in all the time. And so it makes me believe that it's going to be more than okay in the end because he's victorious. So that means I get to walk in victory and he reigns, which means I get to reign with him. And there's, there's, there's this really great quote from Tony Evans that um, basically like changed my way of thinking (laughs) When I heard it, it just blew my mind. Maybe it'll speak some life to those listening right now. But he said, we fight from victory, not for it. Mm. So that means my battle with fear has actually already been won. Amen. So that'll preach. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Well, you know, so go ahead. Yeah. Well, oh no, no worries. Well, I was just was going to say, I, I often, you said you don't feel brave, but you're, you're writing about bravery. And so I find mm-hmm. that, that he, in, in my writing journey so far, it, it's things that I'm, that God is teaching me and it's things I'm working through that I, that I pray that other women will glean something from too, as, as I'm learning. And it sounds that way for you too, not to put words in your mouth, Yeah. but it's like, okay, I have this need. So, okay, what are, we're working on it together, God. And this is what I'm learning in the process. Yeah. And it is a process. It's totally. like progress, not perfection. Exactly. I like, I love that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, can, can you tell us a little bit more about the brave women series and, and how it has led to the Bible study you are now creating? Yeah, sure thing. So, uh, like I said, last year at She Speaks, I met with some acquisitions editors from various publishers, and one of the editors suggested that I do some more, like, collaborative work, like hosting people on my website. So I just really prayed about it, and God gave me the idea for the Brave Woman series, and, um, you know, we've been created in God's image, Um, and so we women reflect God's courage and strength, even if we don't feel like it sometimes. Um, and so I can think off the top of my head, you know, plenty of well-known authors and their brave stories, but they're not the only ones, Mm -hmm. you know, we are all brave. Each of us has an important story to share that matters just as much. So I wanted to create a space where women who may not be like, you know, Jen Hatmaker or Lisa Turkis, that that level of famous where they could talk about their journeys towards courage with Jesus. And um, so I just wanted to create that space. So I prayed some more and I just messaged some women just to see if this would be like a thing, you know, <laughs> or is this a dud or will this will this be something? Because I didn't know if women would want to share mm-hmm. and be that open mm-hmm. and vulnerable yeah. because it really takes guts. It, it does <laughs> to put yeah. Well, like, like <laughs> to put your heart out. Yeah, there. like I just mentioned at the beginning of this. Like I, when I started the Love Offering yeah. podcast, I thought everybody I ask is going to tell me no. <laughs> right, then, but I God know. has so provided. It's it's like it, yes. it, it, I, to this so far, knock on wood, nobody has told me no, which is the complete <laughs> opposite of what I thought it would. So I, I get what you're saying. Totally, and yes, I was totally I was shocked, just like you, because. 
the responses were all yeses, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was so affirming. And I'm like, okay, God, you're doing something here. Like this, you're doing something big. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so every Wednesday, a different woman is featured. And, um, honestly, I thought this would be just a couple months worth of stories, but it's morphed into over a year of powerful testimonies and it's still going strong. So I'm excited to, to see, um, what God does. And you are going to be sharing your story coming up here in a big show, which I'm really uh, excited uh, about. Me too, but I'm not feeling so brave. I'm I'm working on it. (laughs) So yeah, Um, we'll see, we'll see what, uh, yeah. But thank you for allowing me to write my story um, for your series. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like that's been a big part too, because like, a lot of women have been like, I don't feel brave, you know, like, I don't know. Are you sure you asked the right, right person yeah. or, Me? and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, that's the point yeah. of this is to recognize like, Hey, I kind of am, <laughs> you know, well, it, God made me this yeah, way. <laughs> and don't you think, you know, sometimes we, we do sort of, at least I do. I feel I'm not very special. I'm just very ordinary, but I think maybe Mm. most women feel that way, you know? And then, so how do we live out brave within the ordinary, if that makes any sense in in my everyday routine and day-to-day life? Because, you know, most of us aren't climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or skydiving (laughs) or whatever. I don't know. That's what I think of when I think of brave, but I think it, yeah um it it translates in so many other ways I think for sure it's just as brave to walk across the street and say hi to your neighbor and initiate a friendship Mm -hmm. that's just as brave as climbing a mountain I think in my book me too me too well that that I I won't do a spoiler but that was a little bit of where my head's at as far as my piece that I'm gonna share Oh, I'm excited. We'll see. So, um, but just and then oh, go going. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, sorry. Can you tell we both we're like we're both excited about this. Uh, go, you go ahead. I know. This is I to know. spotlight you. You go. Oh no, I want I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, just from that, that's kind of where the the brave woman Bible study kind of is is coming out of that same vein. Because as I started to think about these different women, that I'm just really honored to share their stories. Um, they're not as like well-known as like, you know, Mm -hmm. Christine Kane or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then I started to think about, Hey, what about the women in the Bible Mm -hmm. whose stories of bravery may not get as much attention as well? So, you know, it's not Esther's story isn't going to be in there and Ruth and Mary, you know, Jesus's mom, their stories are not going to be in this Bible study. Um, but I did some digging around and I found, a lot of beautiful ladies in the Bible who are going to be highlighted that are kind of, it's kind of like making the unknowns known, oh, if that makes sense. I love that. So, I love that. Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> so each chapter. Yeah. Well, well, I was just going to say, we all have a contribution to make. So yeah. So go ahead, go each chapter. Sure. Yes. Each chapter is just going to have that women's, um, you know, that biblical character, her story featured, and then it'll end with some reflections, um, reflection questions, and probably a prayer at the end, just showing how, like, we all make a difference in God's kingdom. And so I've really loved writing it so far. Mm. I'm excited, oh, I, as you can, can tell. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. It's a great teaser. Um, but so as, as we close, I always close with the same question for my guests. So who has been an extraordinary giver in your life and like in what ways have people given extraordinarily to you and in your seasons of greatest need? Mm, Yeah, I am. 
Uh, I'd have to say the first people that popped into my head are my parents, my mom and dad. Um, you know, I've seen, especially after becoming a parent, you just can see how much love you pour into your kid. Yeah. And um, over and over again, they just give of their time and their resources and their love. Just It's just never ending. And I'm the oldest of five kids. So they now have 10 grandkids, soon to be 11. And they just keep on passing the, on the generosity and the kindness just from generation to generation. And I just really think they're leaving such a beautiful legacy and I hope one day I can, I always say, I hope I can be half the mom that my mom was to me, you know, like she's just so great. She's always there for me in every way. I mean, I feel like I can't even list off specifics. It's just like, yep, that way, that Mm -hmm. way, you name it, they've been there. Just consistency. Mm -hmm. Well, how would you recommend us giving extraordinarily to those with a disability or those caring for someone with a disability? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm probably repeating myself a little bit here, but that's okay. I think. Yeah, let's drive the point home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So like, simply put, just extend kindness, you know, reach out, invite them to your home invite them to your kids' parties or, you know, your neighborhood block party. Ask them, how, how can I help you? You know, grab them a coffee from Starbucks, provide a meal, ask them how they're doing and really mean it. Um, that, that I just, just make sure that they know that you want to hear about their day. Because a lot of times I feel like, how are you doing is actually a it's just a, mm, a greeting. Yeah. It's not actually, yeah. it's not, it's not the sentence. They don't mean what they're saying, um, but actually mean it and show them that you, you mean it. Linger around, yeah. <laughs> um, be Jesus's hands and his feet. And it just means the world to, to us to see others initiate. I think that's just the key word, initiate relationships and care with us. Cause usually we're the ones doing all the planning and the scheduling and the initiating and it just gets exhausting. So by extending an opening, an open hand and meeting us where we're at, it just makes all the difference in the world. I think that is all very good advice that we can all readily apply. And so Mm -hmm. after hearing your story, I know that listeners are going to want to keep in contact with you. So how can they do that? Yeah, so I have um, an author website. It's beckybearsford.com. And it, that's kind of like my hub. So it has my blog, my Frazzled and Free blog link there. Brave Women, the series is there. Um, and then like if they want to connect or sign up for my newsletter or whatever, that's all at beckybearsford.com. And that, that's where I'll do the updates for the Brave Woman Bible study as well. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. So it's Becky Beresford author on Facebook. And then my handle for Instagram is just Becky.Beresford. Okay. Well, Becky, thank you so much mm-hmm. for sharing your story and your heart with us today. I appreciate how um, humble and authentic and um, encouraging you have been. So thank you for everything today and, and God bless you and you, your ministry and your family. No, thanks, friend. It's been really fun. Same to you. Thank you so much.
The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the Love Offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time.